0: The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider.
1: Hello, welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. I'm joined as ever by editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. I'm publisher Andy Jackson. Trev, let's kick off. Plenty to discuss Asian Cup, uh, A League, massive. Premiership transfers. We'll get to <laughs> For that some later. people. We'll get to that later. Anyway, mate, let's kick off. Uh, Socceroos review. Two games to uh, to pick the bones out of. Mm-hmm. Um, started the weekend with uh, you. Probably said creditable. One-one draw against South Korea.
2: Yeah, I think we called it, didn't we? Yeah. That's what we felt that it was probably heading towards. Probably more open than I expected. Even though it was only one-all, um, I thought both teams would be pretty happy with the point. But we came back at them well when you know South Korea took the lead. Um, and we've got nothing to fear against that side either Or, or Japan who, who seem the most likely winners at the moment Don't they After smashing Saudi Arabia um, Yeah I mean good Group stage is about getting, getting the job done And that's what we've done isn't it
1: Yeah I mean To, to be Obviously to win the Asian Cup We're going to have to beat A team The likes of South Korea Or Japan, Japan Well those um, two I think yeah. Or oh, Iran Who are obviously looking strong and qualifying um, Did you see enough um, to suggest that we've got the ability to do that.
2: In in the South Korea game? Yeah. Not, not particularly. I, I kind of got that impression, and you get it quite often, that we look solid, we look hard to beat. No one's going to roll us over easily. But if we're going to get all the way we're going to have to find ways of just edging teams out, aren't we? I don't think it's going to be a sort of a spectacular route yeah. to the final, is it? Um, yeah, there's enough there to be optimistic that we can do that, but there's also not enough there to be really confident and say, yeah, we'll go the whole way.
1: Yeah. Um, obviously, the, the, the big uh, problem that that game created for Socceroos was the loss of uh, three players through injury, Jason Kalina, Luke Wilkshire uh, and David Carney. The, the former Kalina probably looks like his tournament's over from all uh, from all reports we've got coming out of Doha it's this knee injury that he's been carrying through the A-League season which looks like it'll curtail his, uh, his um, participation in this tournament um, Wilkshire by all intents should be back for the final we hear um, I mean is Kalina a big loss for us?
2: I might say the other two a bigger losses. is not I think Kalie. You, know, you could say Kalina's the better player out of those three but we don't have natural replacements on the right and left we ended yeah. up with Jade North on one side and Matt, Matt McKay. McKay on the yeah. left so you know that's a bigger problem um, if Wilkshire is back I think that's a big deal because I think him and Emerson on the right um, are really important to us especially you know the style that we play Carney doesn't look that likely though does he
1: no, although, yeah, I, mean, I think his shoulder popped out. I don't think it was a f- sort of full... I got the impression it wasn't a full dislocation. Obviously, he's had a shoulder reconstruction Problems before there, yeah. he had it when he was with Sydney FC, so um, it's an ongoing sort of chronic condition for him. Um, OK, let's move on to Bahrain. Uh, edge through, 1-0. Um, Mili Yedenak obviously, was the who's goal scorer in both games. We've been really
2: critical of him, Oh well, we? I'll, I'll,
1: <laughs> I'll, No, I'll get on to that. I'll get on to that. Um, yeah, You can't argue with his, with his contribution from a goal-scoring point of view, um, two different, very different goals, um, goal against South Korea with muscling, sort of a header, mm-hmm. got in front of the keeper, goal against Bahrain, good strike, um, used the conditions well, made sure that he, he kept it down and it bounced on the ground, gathered pace off the turf and uh, just beyond the keeper. Um, what about the Bahrain game? Obviously, the Valeri came in for Kalina, Jade North, as you said, came in at right-back, and Matt Mackay mm. slotted in at left-back. Um, what were your thoughts on how that affected the way we played?
2: Um, I thought they, they did better than I expected when I saw the team line-up. You know, when you're thinking that you've got a, a midfield with limited international experience and you're going to play him left-back, and then you've got a traditional centre-back who, you know, who has played at the right before playing right-back, um, you'd think that that's going to be something... That they're going to target. I mean, South Korea certainly wouldn't have, you know, Park Ji Sung would have really gone at, you know, one of those two, knowing that they're playing out of position. And I think if, you know, if we don't get, you know, Carney and Wiltshire back, that could be a problem in the later rounds against the better sides that are going to sort of, you know, look to exploit it.
1: I mean, for me, I mean, it's highlighted for me, and we did talk about this when the squad was announced, that, you know, Carney is, is a, arguably a makeshift left back himself mm. um, and we went with no cover in that position yeah. we went without a recognised left back and you could argue that Luke Wiltshire is not mm. a right back by trade you know he's more of a mm, midfield no. player so we've gone into a major tournament for us with, um, with two converted full backs and no cover for either yeah. um, so is this really you know our own sort of <laughs> problem that we've created
2: yeah I mean I expected to see Brett Emerton drop to right back and, and someone else move into the midfield where we've got more stocks. I mean, it'd be shame to have Brett that far back because, you know, he's useful down there, but he can always get on up the overlap. So I was surprised to see Jade North step in there. Have you, um, not that much off topic, have you heard of a lad called uh, Brad Smith? He's a Liverpool youth player who's an Aussie, and he's a left-back, right. and he's supposed to be... Just get him in. <laughs> yes. Him let's
1: get behind him on the forums. <laughs>
2: let's start building him up now. The Aussie Roberto Carlos, I mean, but he's supposed to be lightning quick, and they've got big hopes that you know he might be the one to emerge. Well, I mean Shane maybe.
1: Lowry has made squads, mm. you know, he's still not been capped, you know, and he, they, he made a couple of squads, and then they haven't taken him, you know, and he, he can play left back. Um, I think for me, I mean, okay, let's let's talk about the the structure and I, I, you know, my view on this, and I will put this out on Twitter at the weekend after the career game is that I think um, I think I don't think we can afford, particularly against the better sides, to play. Two holding midfielders in a in a four four two because I think the problem that that creates. A sad career really you know knew how we'd line up and set up. What they did was that they, they pressured us high up the park, um, which then led to Lucas Neal and Ogdenowski playing chipped balls in mm. to Kale and kill. But our central, defender, our central midfielders are, are virtually next to our central defenders. So that creates just a huge gap between midfield and the attack. Mm. And what they were then doing was just their, their defensive midfield was just dropping back. And Kuhl and Cahill were getting the ball just surrounded by Koreans. Mm. You know, and, and there was at no point did Yedernak or Valeri or Kalina in any of those two games get anywhere near running past Kuhl and Cahill. And I think to break these teams down... Mm. You've got to get your midfielders past the centre forwards. You know, all that was happening was the ball was being played into Harry or Tim, and the men around them, and and it's, the onus is then on them to beat two or three men, hmm. or at least to, to even beat one man to, to maintain possession. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, and I, I just think that it's yeah, you know, we might get away with it against Bahrain or India. You know, it, we we only just got away with it against Bahrain, but I think if we come up against Japan or South Korea. We, we just can't get away with not carrying a threat, an attacking threat from the centre of midfield, which we don't do at the moment.
2: Well, the, the most, you know, arguably with that in mind, which is correct, the person who's got one of the most important roles in the team is Holman, because, mm. you know, he's there to the fact that we've got a load of defensive midfielders, and he's supposed to link up with, um, you know, with Harry and Timmy up front. And to be fair, I think he's, he's done a, a reasonable job at times at Bahrain. I, I, when I was watching it, I felt that he was the one that was going to do something. Good square ball to Harry that um, you know you might have expected him to put away if it wasn't for a for a fairly decent save. So yeah, I think you know God, I would say this. The comments people have made about Holman in the past, but he's a really really important player for yeah. us right now. We've got no Josh Kennedy and McDonald can't start.
1: Yeah. And also you know Yedanak and Valeri, um, you know, I'll, and this is probably where I'd say Kalina is it just gives is, is slightly ahead of them is that. They're very neat and tidy in possession. They're very neat and tidy going square or going backwards. But I can't remember a single penetrating through ball yep. that either of them have played. You know, And if you're going to play that deep-lying central midfield role and not get past the, the, the forwards, mm. you need, you know, there's someone like Andrea Pirlo who never gets past the forwards, but what he can do is knock a 30-yard ball mm. to an on-running forward two feet when he's clean through. Yeah, you know, so I think that that's a major concern for me. Um, you know, obviously we're going to be missing Brett Emerton for the quarterfinal, suspended. Yep. Um, you know, where does our width come from, then? You know, who are we going to play wide? Mm. Um, so yeah, so I think there's some big question marks. You know, our, our possession stats look great, mm. but I'd argue how much of that possession has actually then carried a threat of penetration. You know, yeah. and so the good teams. South Korea, Japan, will let us have the ball in areas where they're not going to hurt us. Mm. And the, my concern is that whenever we then try and up the pace a little bit, we turn the ball over. Yeah, you know, And that's what good teams will do. Good teams will just sit back, let us have the ball on the halfway line, knowing that the minute we try and up the pace, we turn the ball over and then they'll hit us on the counter-attack. Yeah. You know, and it was interesting against Bahrain, I just felt that you know, any well-drilled side, you know, if you don't move the ball quickly they'll continue to readjust their shape and be very difficult to break down. And it was interesting, Matt Mackay was the player for me that showed how he should play against mm. the team. There was a bit in the first half where he got the ball at left-back and played two consecutive one-twos and then slipped the ball inside. And because we'd moved the ball a lot quicker, it mm. had opened up through the middle. And I think it was Harry ran on and I think the ball got played. It might have been the, no, it might have been the chance when it got played into Harry and he had the shot. Mm. Um, so I think you know I think we need to move the ball quicker. We need to find so you know the only times we really created any through balls in behind the defence was against India and that's the poorest side in the competition. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think there's a I think there's a long way to go. Um, Iraq will be the next step up. I mean let, let's let's move on to that. I mean Trev, yeah. how do you see this one? Obviously there's the there's a fair degree of motivation for the Socceroos to get some revenge for 2007.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're certainly not as good a side as they were four years ago. Well, they're pretty, they're pretty much the same side, to be fair. Not much has changed. Um, so they've got, they've got the experience, but I think there's a few question marks. You sort of feel they
1: have, you know, in 2007 there was that real feeling of, you know, this is you know, against all odds, you know, It was a story, together. wasn't it? Yeah. It was, you know, and you sort of feel that that's been lost a little bit now. And the, the players might be the same, but the motivation probably isn't. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's, let's look at how we think the soccer rules will line up. Um, obviously no Emerton, um, we hear that Wilkshire should be back. So, I mean, I guess the question is, does he slot Wilkshire back into right-back right. or does he play Wilkshire right midfield?
2: Yeah, I mean, I suppose it depends how well we feel Jay North played at right-back and if he, if he can hold up that position, then, yeah, definitely put... Because you know, I think Wilkshire... Particularly in World Cup qualifying for South Africa was really useful down that right wing with assists, getting balls in. We've got one of the best headers of the ball in the (laughs) world.
1: I was just about to say that, you know, we need to get some quality in because Holman, isn't, you know, even though he's lining up on the wide yeah. left, he isn't playing as a wide no. man. He's almost drifting inside constantly, which he needs to do because the, that's central, what he does mid- the central midfielders aren't mm. getting close to the forwards. So Holman has to, yeah. You know, so I think if, if we don't play Wiltshire, the danger, you know, if we put Nathan Burns out there or something like that, Nathan Burns isn't a winger, mm. you know. And I think our biggest strength, as you say, is is Cahill up front with his headers. So, yeah. um, all right, defensively. Um, you'd probably say he'd probably stick yeah with
2: what yeah. He's got. yeah I mean the back two obviously he's done well I think Yeah, he, he had a good moment in the Barham game when there was talk about his pace he did get beaten for pace he caught it back up and, and got a really good challenge in so I think he's done well and, and Lucas has been you know solid at the back so, so I'm happy about you know the back two I'm just a little concerned about the fullbacks getting exposed out of position against better sides um, in terms of of up front, um, I think Harry looks quite lively. Yeah, he's, he's some of the you know, you know better I've seen him play in, in recent years, um, and I, th- I feel he could have a big moment in the knockout stages.
1: Yeah, um, and you'd you think that you know having looked at the tournament and looked at you know the, the quality and you know you'd probably say that Australia have still got individually mm. you know the players that have got the ability to win them the tournament.
2: Yeah, starting right.
1: with Schwarzer who has been outstanding yeah. as always. Yeah. You know, and he's probably you know, clearly, I would say, the best goalkeeper in the tournament. But yeah, you know, and then you've got Harry and Tim up front. You'd probably say that both of those are up there with the best forwards in the tournament. Mm. So I still think that we've got that individual ability in a, in a sudden death game mm. to to get us there. It's whether we can, you know, get them the ball often enough.
2: Yeah, know, I mean, we've got right. three. We've got three games now. Yep. potentially that's all we need to do to win the Asian Cup, and we're supposed to be the best team. In Asia, so yeah, th- there's there's cause to be optimistic. Um, but who's our likely semi-final? Japan. Uh, Japan. So the pathway
1: it's is now Japan. Iraq, and then looking like Japan in the next
2: game. Yeah, I mean that uh, that's always a shame when they meet in the semis like that because you'd have to feel that that would be a lot of people's choice for the final.
1: Okay, so all right, Iraq is. is I think it's sun midnight, Saturday night, Sunday morning. So good time, yeah. middle of the weekend. Predictions. Um, I think
2: we'll edge them out. I think yeah, close. Um, we are looking, you know, pretty good at the back, and I'm going to predict another clean sheet and a one-nil Socceroos. Scott okay. McDonald. Mad- oh, no, not yeah. really. That would be stupid. No, but they'll, they'll win one-nil. Okay,
1: all right. I probably agree on the, the 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 difference. I think it will be. I'm, I'm going to go two-one Socceroos. Mm. Maybe even two-one after extra time. Mm.
2: Don't think about Scott McDonald when he got bought on. Obviously, when you Come and you play for 10 minutes. That's still another cap, isn't it? So you must be thinking, God, that's another attempt. (laughs) Another
1: (laughs) appearance without a goal. Yeah. Anyway, alright, that's all for uh, part one. We'll be back uh, in section two to uh, cast our gaze over uh, A-League round 23, so stay with us.
0: The new issue of 442 is on sale now, and we look at one of the closest title races in English Premiership history. We speak to Carlos Tevez, Gareth Bale, Frank Lampard, Nani, and analyse just how Cesc Fabregas makes Arsenal tick. Also in our site are A-League hotshots Leckie, Cruz, GTA Brosk and Williams... We go one-on-one with Gus Poirier and Simon Cooper pulls no punches in his piece on where Australia's World Cup bid went wrong. It's on sale now at all good news agents and on the iPad via iTunes. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider.
1: Hello, welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast. We're going to cast our gaze now over the A-League Round 23 action. Uh, we'll rewind back to the weekend first, um, although there were games last night Uh, Friday night I think it was, was it Friday night? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gold Coast uh, took care of North queens and Fury quite comfortably as we talked about last week, Fury seemed to be limping towards the end of the season for for obvious reasons with the the doubts over the the future and sustainability of the club which obviously is not helping anyone Uh, Gold Coast just too strong for them Gite got a double, Shane Smeltz back on the scoreline and Chris Harold. Eighty 8. What's that? Part of it is say, "Well, I saw Harold on his uh, yeah. I thought, is he another Brazilian? <laughs> they brought in? <him. laughs> yeah, so, <yeah>. Rob Robson." <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, Trev, yep. routine win for the Gold Coast. Yep. Bounce back from in Sydney. You'd be smelts, surprised. Smelt's back on the score sheet. Yep. Didn't take him long.
2: Not only the scoring though, he's all around playing setting up GTA and stuff and you know... Those as a front, too, even if you were sort of making a, an all time A League 11, you know, perhaps you wouldn't have both of them in there, but that would be up there, wouldn't they? How well GTA did at Adelaide, how good a player he is on the fringes of the international, smelt, scored at a World Cup. I mean, that's a genuinely good front, too. And this season, the Gold Coast have been the opposite of what they were the previous season. Fairly tight, lots of draws, just the goal short in many games have taking maximum points. I mean,. They're a real danger, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> you know, go, go, heading into the finals, um, yeah, I'd imagine they could they could do some damage to those two. But in terms of beating Fury at home, then um, did not expect anything else.
1: Well, news. I mean, news just in that I've just got over the uh, email before it came in here. I'm sure by the time you listen to this podcast, it'll be on the website. Is that um, Bas van den Brink has accepted a, a, co- a contract over in Korea right. at the same club that Fifey's gone to. Oh, okay. Yeah, at that Busan, whatever it is. That's
2: an interesting back, too.
1: Yeah, so uh, he's off. And I, I found, something like, with obviously Luke Devere going to career as well, it's like, I think because of the length of the season, the January transfer window mm. is a bit weird for the A League because yeah. they're leaving just right at the climax of the home and away season, mm. just before the finals. Yeah. So it has a much bigger impact than if you leave almost halfway through the Premier League season or European yeah. season.
2: Yeah, like Chris Coyne was away, you know, a period yeah, that wasn't it quite as important like, as now. Oh,
1: he's played like, you know, 26 games and there's four games to go and they've lost a player that's played ever-present for him, you Yeah. Know? Same with Luke Devere, it's a bit weird. Um, uh, how
2: funny was his uh, Twitter picture of the lads on the plane? <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, as I said to <laughs> yeah, him, like, what, what happened to Clive's private jet? I haven't heard anything about it since. Yeah. Um, Saturday night, the big blue, Sydney SC, Melbourne victory. Um, Danny Olsop, another returning striker, back on the score sheet. Well, it has to be said, it was a, it's a bit of a fluky one.
2: I thought, because I, I was out of the game, from where, where I could see, I thought he'd done a little messy finish. You know, when Messi nah. does that little nah, scoop little and deep. hook, yeah. yeah nah, nah, it
1: wasn't, nah, was it? <laughs> um, I, asked, I backed him to score, because he, he always seems to score against Sydney. Um, and when he missed that oh that <laughs> yeah. air swing and that one, I was like I was on Twitter going, he owes me thirty-five dollars. <laughs> at least he came through. And Michaela uh, on a score sheet again in, in injury time. I mean you say that Sydney should have put this game to bed, really. First half. You know, first half, half them, yeah, first half they dominated and just didn't have that cutting edge. Nikki Carl finally starting to show, you know, what mm. how much Sydney had probably missed him if mm. had he been around for the whole season. But, I mean, how close must Michaela be to getting a start?
2: Yeah, I mean, he looks good, doesn't he?
1: The thing I like about him is that he just seems to take up the right positions. You Mm. know, he's an out-and-out goal scorer. We saw it the week before when he came on. He had two or three chances and scored one. Yeah. Again, what I liked about that finish was... Yeah, he didn't try and do too much. Yeah, he just redirected it and controlled it. it was a good sign of a good strike at that. So, um, yeah. So yes, yeah, so, uh, he must be uh, pushing for a starting berth this weekend uh, we, when Sydney travelled to the Mariners.
2: Considering their dominance in the first half, and if he's as good a finisher as he looks like he could be, it could have be been a different scoreline. But um, if you read Steve O'Connor's blog on our website, yeah, at the well moment. worth a read yeah, yeah, really good. And one of the points he's making, and this is nothing to do if he's Sydney biased, but it's saying that Sydney aren't. That this season, that far off the pace. They're not that terrible. They've just had loads and loads of tiny factors that are chipped away on them. And I just felt that that first half kind of summed up their season a little bit, didn't it? They just couldn't yeah. get the break for the goal.
1: Okay. Uh, other game on Saturday was Perth Glory one Melbourne Heart one. It was uh, it will be remembered as probably one of the best strikes we've seen in the A League. Go ahead. Alex Terra. What a finish.
2: Yeah. What an under a lot of pressure though, was he?
1: No, but, <laughs> but he was still, yeah, to, no, to, no, no. to yeah. set yourself up with a touch like that and then bury it. And the thing that, that I liked was was he actually, I think, that, was he took it early, he took the bicycle kick early, so mm. he flicked it up, Yeah, and then it was almost in one movement, like the ball wasn't at the top of its, the ball wasn't dropping, the ball was going up as yeah. he connected with it, which made it more and more difficult for Valapi to get anywhere near it. Mm. Um,
2: Any of us who have tried to do that will appreciate quite how difficult it is. Yeah. And the, the timing you need.
1: But yeah, I mean, I'm sure everyone's seen. it, but If you haven't, um, get to YouTube. It was better um, than I'm Eugene sure Daddy's, there. wasn't it? Yeah, I think that? so. No, yeah. I think it was because I think it was that. You know, it was it was a bit like it was a bit like Flores' goal. Yeah, where you have that. Yeah, the ball's coming across, then to have that foresight and confidence to take the touch to set yourself up. Mm. And similarly to Flores, Flores took it early as well, which I think is the key thing to, to get the keeper off guard. Perth, I mean, they seem to be sort of limping just towards the end of the season, really. I get the feeling that Perth just want it all to be over.
2: Yeah, another season you just want yeah. to be over for them. Yeah, and it's kind of a shame because I've almost not been that keen to watch their games for the rest of the season I have. It's Now you get that feeling... You almost get dragged down watching them, don't you? That it's, it's not going to be
1: worth watching. Yeah. Uh, another, local, another big derby on the Sunday was uh, Newcastle Jets, Central Coast Mariners. 2 0 win for the Mariners. Uh, Matt Simon um, got the opener. And then John Hutchinson. I've always liked John Hutchinson as a player. Um, he's yeah. not, not been figuring too much, he's been coming off the bench. But um, stepped up with a, with a late winner to seal it. Good crowd there 13,500, which is excellent. Yeah, um, they were good,
2: good value tickets, weren't they? The yeah. cheap he was knocking them yeah. out
1: for. And, you know, Mariners roll on. Yeah, I mean,
2: they've been doing well all season and they're hitting form now going into the finals. Yeah. So you'd have to fill their, uh, you know, a really good chance.
1: And I think, you know, I think talking about Hutchinson is a good case in point that, you know, that the one thing that the Mariners have got is they've got some good strength and depth as well. They've got mm. players on the proven A League quality players on the bench that can come in and and really sort of you know, contribute from the subs bench. You know, They brought on Hutchinson and Michael Baird in that game, You know, both of whom have, have, uh, have scored goals, and Hutchinson's been there from day one. Mm. Um, there were two games last night. Uh, Melbourne Hart drew with uh, Gold Coast. Alex Terra on the score sheet again. That was cancelled out with the GT goals before half-time. Um, Trev? Yes. What, I mean, Gold Coast, sort of 4-0 on draw, lose to Sydney. You know, they're going to lose Van der Brink, looks like, from the, from the who's been sort of anchoring the midfield for them in, in recent weeks. Mm. Um, Mariners seem to be sort of really sort of pulling away in that second spot now, so
2: Well, yeah, I mean, you, you couldn't... You remember we were doing stories about it being a two-horse race, you know, not that many weeks ago that it was yeah. between Brisbane and Adelaide. Um, in of Melbourne was a real par result, wasn't it? Two mid-table teams... Um, you know the slightly better one on the on the road, and it ended up being a draw. Um, yeah, I, th- I think they'll they'll probably take that. They've concentrated much more on picking up the home points, haven't they, this season? You know, Gold Coast and their yeah, the, the, take. But in terms of Hart clinging into that finals position, um, it's still quite tight, isn't it? It's not going to take a lot to to go past them.
1: Yeah, games goal, in hand as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I will, let's just talk about, we'll, we'll look at the league table in a minute, but um, the second game last night was the Mariners went on the road to Perth, toughest, uh, tough away trip as we talk about, but they, they got they got up mm. two goals, Daniel McBreen and Matt Simon within a minute in the first half. Uh, Todd Harreth got one back for Perth before, um, actually, Jamie Harmwell got sent off before they got one back, and then Pellegrino got sent off in injury time. All happened, didn't it? so it was The, uh, the old stuff. value bet: red cards when Perth play. Yeah. So you what, you'll have earned a decent money if you back that every game this year.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, that it's really difficult to to get back from two goals in a minute, and it? it's that sort of sucker punch. They had scored before half time. They did, but um, they couldn't get any further.
1: I mean, do we think you know? It is the amount of red cards that Perth have had this season. A sign that everything's not right there. You know, is that the sign of a frustrated team that they, you know, they're, they're frustrated in training and the way they play, and therefore that comes out. Yeah. Because they have had a, a seems like they've had an inordinate amount of red cards, and we can talk about the the standard of the refereeing, but I don't think that's really been the case in many of the red cards that they've picked up.
2: I think it varies your team. Yeah, it can be frustration. I remember that really successful Arsenal team was filthy as. He used to get so many red cards, and they used to play it as, you know, commitment to the cause. That's why they're getting red cards. And if they're doing badly, it's spun as, you know, frustration. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's something they need to sort out because it's, you know, with the suspensions and the, you know, losing players during a game, it's not going to help. Got a captain that likes to keep his cool, though, normally. (laughs) He leads by example.
1: All right, so where we stand uh, finally at last the league table is for, in terms of the games played column is starting to get a little bit more parity to it uh, for a while there were four games difference between some of the teams which made it difficult um, but now we've got everyone within two games of each other so top is still Brisbane Raw played 26 53 points Central Coast Mariners are in second play 25 46 points Adelaide play 25 43 points and Gold Coast played 24 Thirty nine points, that's the top four. Um around the finals, Berth, looking for that sixth spot, we've got victory and, and Hart on thirty three and thirty two points, that's fifth and sixth at the moment. And then going back you've got the Jets, Phoenix, and you'd probably say Sydney are out of it, back on twenty five points. But yeah. so you'd probably say down to eighth they're still looking at a realistic finals chance.
2: Yeah, Wellington have been very quiet this season, have not they? They've really just they've been marooned in that position either sort of in sixth or seventh or eighth. Um, yes, yeah, shame. I Always like to see Wellington make the finals as well. So yeah.
1: Um, okay, leading scorer Sergio Van Dijk, thirteen goals, and then there's three goals back to Costa Barbareus, Robbie Cruz, Matt Simon, God, and Solazant, uh, Solazano. So. Uh, All right, that's it for our A-League review. Uh, We'll be back in part three to look at some of the main stories on our website, au.442.com.
0: Visit Football Emporium on www.footballemporium.biz to see the largest selection of football merchandise and memorabilia in Australia. A real football shopping experience. Or why not pop in and visit them directly at 139 Victoria Road, Dremoyne. Or simply call them on 1300 4 goals to find out what's new in the football world. Back to 442
1: Insider. Hello and welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're going to take a look at some of the news that's been making headlines on our website, au.442.com, this week. Um, as always, a busy week. Uh, PFA have uh, come out this week and said that they will... Um, be extending or, or granting an extension to the current talks over the new collective bargaining agreement um, this was supposed to have been reviewed between October and December uh, of last year but given that there's an ongoing um, review of the, the competition structure format obviously there's um, the, the just the sheer number of clubs is still up for debate uh, next season so I think that, that makes sense all round and as a as CEO Brendan Schwab said, you know, that there's around 80 players that will have their contracts expire in just over two months. Um, Trevor, so there's a lot of uncertainty yeah. around at the moment. You know, yeah. obviously created by Fury, predominantly, you know, you've got 23 players there and- that don't know whether they're going to have a, a team to play for next year. But also, I guess, from a that has a knock-on effect for the other clubs because they're looking at it going, well, let's not offer... This guy a contract until we know what's happening with Fury, because we might fancy that player up there.
2: Exactly. And that's a big deal for a lot of players in the A League, because it, it it's not like you know other more major leagues, is it? Where if you drop out, you'll find someone someone else. Like you know, some of those players could be genuinely fearing for their careers. I mean, spe- especially if clubs start dropping off, then that's <laughs> that's a con- concern for them. But yeah, it, it will be mainly mainly Fury players. And I'm just trying to think who else would be up. But yeah, like you say, you, you'd hold back, wouldn't you, and and see if you can get on the. On the cheap and not on the free.
1: Yeah. Uh, staying with A-League players, um, <laughs> few of them have been uh, spotted with their kit off. Uh, this is uh, We talked a while ago that the FFA had um, appointed a, a new PR agency that was t- tasked with the, the job of uh, widening the interest in the A-League outside the traditional hardcore fans, especially amongst the female audience. And uh, Cleo are running a, an A-League spread with... Um, Tarek Elwich Jacob Burns Brendan Gann Fabian Barbiero uh, all with their gear off uh, Pedge Bowitch, who's also I mean he's got he's got an added uh, he's got a head start on all the ways he's got a fitness business as well not yeah, he? Yeah exactly uh, and Eric Partaloo all uh, topless looking hot I
2: looking hot, say. looking hot, hot,
1: guys. Putting us to shame. <laughs> um, we won't be doing a a four four two calendar limit, anytime soon.
2: Limited demand for that. Um, yeah, look, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's not damaging, but I don't think there's a huge amount of ben- benefit. I mean,
1: I don't it? know. I, I think you know. Jokes aside, you know, the A League has got a big PR job to do. The visibility of the league, the, the knowledge of the league, as we see from our website. You know, around a quarter of the people that come to our website or, or fill in the surveys are, are, are female, you know, and mm. it's a big growth area. Women's football is exploding, um, the Matildas that are, are you know leading the way in terms of national teams. Um, so I think anything that the A-League can do to increase its exposure, but, <laughs> pardon the pun, um, <laughs> is good. But, you know, we talked
2: about generating more interest from fans outside the hardcore I don't think they've generated interest with fans within the hardcore yet, within football people. Yet they're it's spending true, money going but I, but outside I, I, of that.
1: But I sort of think that, that yeah, there's, there's some stuff that the clubs can do, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, the club's domain. But then I think at a, at a game level, I think that this is this is a good direction for us to go. Yeah. Look at Beckham. Yeah, you know, would, but that's
2: would, Beckham though, isn't no, it? No, no, no.
1: But what I'm saying is, would Beckham, would Beckham's appeal be him if he looked like Carlos Tevez, mm. or if he looked like Peter Beardsley? No, you know it's that package of, you know. Let's face it; he's never been the best player in the world, mm-hmm. but he's the best known footballer in the world. Yeah, you know? and part of that is the way he looks and his image, and you know. And I think we need to play on that because but, it is it's a major part of football.
2: But I would say that both in terms of footballing ability and images, he's higher a far higher grade than yeah, this. I mean, it's all are, about are,
1: scale, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean? but are they? You know. Are, they're going to see pictures of these players and then, want, you know, we're talking about women. Are they now going to be going to games in their horse? Like I said, I don't think it's damaging. Nothing, you know, nothing's gone wrong. I'm just not entirely sure if we've if we sorted out no, our I'm own back. i so backing. insecure. Dodge. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: just Trev's jealous. looking down at his six-pack as, as he looks at these pictures. <laughs> yeah, One-pack, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, moving on. Uh, Rini Kulin admits he's disappointed to lose uh, Ian five to the Korean club. Um, he's got a replacement lined up. Um does he actually say who it is? I don't think he <laughs> did so he's, he's hinting that he's got someone lined up um, but he's not telling us who it is yeah there So he go. sounds
2: good sounds like a good replacement yeah Um yeah I mean you know a, lot, a lot's been said about Fife but he's a he can be a relatively solid A-League player and I, th- I think he's done better at Adelaide than a lot of people yeah you know would have expected to be fair so yeah well I think working. you know
1: if you look at you know, Fife was probably you know given a, bit of a rough deal by a lot of the fans at Sydney, and Cornthwaite as well has been you know not always had the easiest of rides there. Yet they've proven themselves to be pretty indispensable this season mm. to the point that that they don't have a ready-made backup. Um, and people are now, you know, Rini Coolen is saying it's going to leave a big hole when he leaves. Mm. Um, but apparently Monday uh, is going to be D-Day when Rini Coolen going to announce the replacement. Mm. Um, Mirren Blyberg hopes that 20,000 will uh, come out and support Queensland flood victims. Um, it's a free entry clash for the Newcastle Jets this weekend. Um, they're asking for a gold coin donation um, for the flood relief, which is excellent. You know, it's a good. And let, oh, let's just fingers crossed that the, um, that the weather is good up there because obviously the last time they did the free entry, it was absolutely horrible weather yeah. up there. So. Um, yeah, it's I a mean, good initiative. Let's hope that everyone gets behind it.
2: Yeah, I mean, when they did the free entry for awful, awful weather, uh, and it was just a free entry game, um, and they got still got a decent crowd. If you have got better weather, and Queensland is coming out to support that cause, then I, you know, I don't think they'll be far off the twenty thousand mark. Yeah, they could go seventeen, eighteen thousand. Then that'd be really good.
1: Yeah, and it will also see the debut. They uh, hope um, it looks like his paperwork is completed in time uh, for Peter told, who's an ex bundesliga midfielder. So Ooh. he's penned a two-and-a-half-year deal. He's only 26. That's a good age. Yeah, for good Nuremberg um, previously, where a couple of Aussies have been. Um, you know, as, as we've seen with Thomas Broich at uh, Queensland Raw, you know, there are players that are, are kicking around the sort of lower reaches of the Bundesliga and the second division that are more than capable of coming over here and starring. And yeah. 26 is a good age, two-and-a-half-year deal. So um, obviously Miron's seen something. Uh, to uh, to to take that long term deal.
2: Mm.
1: All right. Final part. Obviously, uh, the big the other big news this week was that uh, under fire, Sydney S.C. boss Vitoslav Lubitschka has been uh, given an extension of his contract um, until the Asian Champions League campaign's over. Um, so that's it's not a complete vote of confidence, would you say? I mean, it's a
2: half <laughs> Yeah,
1: you know, but where what's your thoughts on this Trev? do you do you think this is a good move i'd give him
2: another season Really? yeah i think i think based on the first season and based on what's happened this year with a lot of injuries i mean carl and brosk have been in and out of that team all season he does still need to to add you know the um germans come in um well at the back um so yeah look i i i would give him another season i mean it's happened at melbourne victory that you know they've done well and then Drop right yeah. out of it. They stuck with Ernie, and that seemed like the right decision because they bounced straight back. So, yeah, I, I I would have made a statement and given him another whole year to sort things out.
1: No, I agree. I mean, first of all, I think obviously, you know, the Asian Champions League is the first step. Obviously, I think he deserves the crack at it, having you know got them there. You know, yeah. got them there. Um, but I agree with you, mate. You know, I think you know, as, as we were talking about Steve O'Connor's piece, you know. They have been unlucky in certain regards, with injury and whatever, and and as we've proven, Melbourne Victory have proven the benefit of stability, you Mm. know, and not panicking if, you know, the following season. And we talked about the fact that no one has successfully defended an A-League title yet. Mm. No one's even come close to successfully defending an A-League title. So, it's not like it's never happened before. The salary cap creates uh, a unique situation for teams that are successful, because all of a sudden the the stock and the worth of their players rises and they struggle to to keep those players within the cap so they inevitably lose players we see it with all salary cap sports in Australia we see it in the rugby league we see it in the AFL so football's no different so I I agree with you mate I, I would be all for Sydney backing him and saying look we've we believe that you are a quality coach everyone was saying how good he was last season when they won a double Yeah. I don't think he's become a bad coach overnight so um, no. I agree are we going to get
2: accused of Sydney bias now well probably. office happens to be based in Sydney probably
1: uh, alright let's just have a quick touch on probably the biggest story of the week was
2: uh, did you see this coming
1: Aston Villa <laughs> breaking the bank for uh, for Darren Bent yeah 18 million rising to 24 million um I as a Villa fan rejoicing, really, you know, we need an yeah. out and out centre forward. We need someone to score us goals. Uh we haven't had any problem creating chances this season, but when our combined strike force I think has scored two league goals
2: mm-hmm.
1: um that's there's no that's no secret as to why we're down in the bottom three. So I think, you know, you look at his scoring record and it, it's Well, it's not second to none, it's second to Wayne Rooney and Didier Drogba.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: And when you think that he spent most of his season at Spurs, sort of on the bench or or in and out the side, he still ended up scoring 17 goals for them that season.
2: I mean, Darren Bent is a good player. He scores goals. He's proven to score goals for a long while. But he's one of those players, and there's a lot of them, particularly strikers, that for some reason fans don't end up liking. You know, I used to live near Rootswitch back home. They hated him. There, but he used to score him nearly 20 goals a season. He went to Tottenham, speak to any Tottenham fan, they'll moan about Darren Bent, but there's nothing wrong with his record there. And now Sunderland fans are going on about, you know, they're not bothered he's gone. I mean, they have got very good money from Norman's denying that. But yeah, he's got a proven, you know, goal-scoring record. There's, you know, and I, I think he'll score goals at Villa. And
1: well, I think as well, you know, I think he, you know if, if his goals keep Villa in the Premier League, you know, which is, a, you know, we're over halfway through the season and we're in the bottom three, you know, it's very real threat of relegation. And if yeah. his goals keep us up, um, then that's paid for his fee quite yep. comfortably, you know. Um, and also, I think I've been a little Martin O'Neill, uh, the Martin O'Neill sort of sympathisers in the press, saying, well, why didn't he give this money to O'Neill, you know, in the close season, and O'Neill would still be there. I think they're missing the point. Hmm. The point was that the money's always been there. Randy Lerner just lost the faith in Martin O'Neill to spend it wisely mm. and looking at Villa's bench when you've got Steve Sidwell £50,000 a week you know Habib Bay £40,000 a week you know yeah, he spent the money mm. you know and was left with a load of dross on the bench and then moaned about a small squad size where, because he'd wasted money on squad players that weren't good enough mm. and at the same time clogged the bench up limiting the opportunities that was a very good crop of youngsters coming through that have been given their chance now. So, um, so yeah, so there. But anyway, I'm Martin O'Neill. Yes. Trev, he was in, he's out. God, Saturday was out. was out. What a day that exactly. was.
2: Well, I'd heard coming out of the Sydney game and having a drink in the pub after, I'd heard that, Grant was going which I thought was out of order because you know he had a game to prepare for but then they were saying O'Neill's in so I was like result because in terms of available managers willing to go to West Ham there isn't anyone better than O'Neill but yeah allegedly that's what's annoyed O'Neill that it broke ahead of the game and there's sort of this manager's code that they break on a regular basis they just don't want people to break to you know let you know about it where they line up a job while another manager's still in
1: they have to do in it, role. they're just not happy for anyone to know. No,
2: yeah, yeah. pretty much, exactly, <laughs> exactly that. Um, I saw a funny tweet about um, what Avon Grant should do now that, um, you know, if, if, apparently everyone knew that he was going to get sacked after the Arsenal game, but he still had to be in charge. They were saying, well, you know, if I, if I was Evan Grant, I'd, you know, go screw this. I'd play Scott Parker in goal, you know, I'd play Rob Green at centre-back, and I'd play Carton Coe up front. So, you know,
1: that... <laughs> <laughs> that show them. But the thing is, you know, is that... Do as as we used to call them, at Villa the porno dwarves. Do they? Um, I mean, do they really think that they're creating an environment that is attractive to the next manager of West Ham United? No, the I'm way that they're conducting this. No, you know, it's like I. And they've now come out and said that they back him completely. It's just like it's a dead man walking. It's like, like a circus, you know. And I, I just think I. I mean, I must admit, given that O'Neill had worked in close proximity to the to The three of them over it when they were over at Blues and he was at Villa. I'm surprised that he entertained it to start with.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know,
1: knowing exactly what they were like, but um, and
2: this is a big moment because apparently they are going to throw a little bit of money at some sign-ins to try and sort of drag us out of. Trouble, not bent-sized signings, obviously, but you know they were saying they're looking at 15 players. I'm not sure how many of those they're planning to sign. So you kind of needed the manager in place, so he they're looking at 15 right
1: players play. and 14 managers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: So um, yeah, they might stick with Avram, but it'll be a bit like Zola when Zola stayed and he just kept him up. I just kept. And he was always going, Clark,
1: giving them another chance. I don't
2: know. I mean, like we got 36 points that season. Zola was there. I, th- I, you know, I think Zola's a, a great coach and a great guy but I'm, I'm not quite sure who's cut out for, for the map for right. West Ham quite yet
1: yeah. but anyway we'll leave it there currently the Premier League has got the bottom three of the Premier League has got a little bit too much of a claret and blue twitch for both of us <laughs> so let's hope things change anyway that's all for section three uh, join us after the break when we're going to look forward to uh, A-League round 24 preview
0: The new issue of 442 is on sale now and we look at one of the closest title races in English Premiership history. We speak to Carlos Tevez, Gareth Bale, Frank Lampard, Nani, and analyse just how Cesc Fabregas makes Arsenal tick. Also in our site are A-League Hotshots Leckie, Cruz, GTA Brosk and Williams. We go one-on-one with Gus Poirier and Simon Cooper pulls no punches in his piece on where Australia's World Cup bid went wrong. It's on sale now at all good news agents and on the iPad via iTunes. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider.
1: Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're going to preview round 24 of the A-League now which kicks off on Friday night with Adelaide playing host to uh, North Queensland. Yes. Trev, home banker, you'd probably say? There's a few more
2: fixtures this week that you'd be more confident about predicting than normal, and this is one of them. Uh, Yeah, Adelaide, especially now they've sort of dropped down to third and, you know, needs to get back up to that top two, so they stand a chance of hosting the grand final, Um, you know, Dejected Fury team in town I think they'll they'll roll them fairly easily 3-0 something like that. Sporting
1: better I uh, would agree with that wholeheartedly They've got Adelaide at $1.35 Hot favourites, Probably as shorter odds as I've seen on the A-League uh, North Queensland at 9 bucks to go there and upset the party um, And a draw of $4.50 So uh, that's all firmly pointing um, to a home win uh, Yes Okay, big game in Melbourne uh, Third Melbourne derby one apiece at the moment. Mm. Who's going to get bragging rights for the rest of the season? Oh, this, unfortunately, this game's at Etihad, which will uh, I think dilute the atmosphere a bit. Um, be interesting to see what crowd they get, though. You know, mm. um, you'd say from the first two that Amy Park has been sufficient size, but maybe, maybe they'll get over. Uh, over 30 this week, let's hope so. Um, how do you see it on the pitch,
2: Trev? Do a draw, aren't they? One each? Then well, one yes. Vit-
1: victory sporting Bet have got victory favourites. at uh, $2.20, Melbourne Heart $3.20, the draw $3.25.
2: Yeah, so, you know, yeah. I'd agree with that. You favour victory to um, to win that, but I think they might not, they
1: grind out a draw. Yeah. All right, Gold Coast. As we talked about, the uh, the flood relief game, free entry. Uh, although a gold coin donation will go to uh, to the flood relief uh, fund, which is excellent. Uh, skill Park, um, Gold Coast. You'd say sporting bet have got them a dollar sixty with Newcastle six bucks Ooh. away. That's not a bad. That's value a good bet, value, bet, is it? I didn't think it'd be that long. Uh, and the draw three dollars fifty.
2: Yeah, I mean, you would favour Gold Coast. Big big game for both of them, though, isn't it? Gold Coast needs to sort of. Um, you know, nestle themselves in that top four,
1: and then you know, Jets need to get into the top six. Well, it's an opportunity for the Jets because if you know, there's every oppo- there's every chance that the the Melbourne Derby could finish in a draw, in which case a win for the Jets would put them up into fifth. Mm. You know, so uh, they're by no means no means out of it. And I'd say that um, anyone looking for a punt, I wouldn't I wouldn't say uh, that's a bad bet on the Jets. They do. They've always had that ability of one of those sides that can go away and win because of the sort of football that they do play. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm have a look at that for was you. Mm. Um, as we say every time, it's well, the longest, the second longest, <laughs> second longest trip in club football in the world. Uh, Wellington play host to Perth. Um, you would probably say. The battle of the underachievers this season.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, big hopes for Wellington at the the start of the season, because, you know, they retained a lot of their best players and had a great World Cup, and then Perth, good additions, started well. So, yeah, it's, you know, a few weeks into the season, if you were looking at this one near the end, you'd be thinking it would be... You know, two top four teams. So for them both to be out of it's a bit of a surprise. Um, Wellington too strong. Well, I'd
1: s- say Wellington aren't out of it at the moment. I mean, they're only they're only three points off. Um, well, actually, you know, if you actually look at it, Wellington are aren't out of it because they've they've got um, two games in hand on Melbourne Heart, and they're only three points behind them.
2: Not so, not out of making the finals, but certainly lower than their expectations yes. could have been. But they they're too strong at home, and I think they'll win there.
1: Well, Sporting Bet have got it, uh, Wellington $1.72, Perth $4.75 and the draw $3.50. Um, mm. I mean, you'd say Wellington have to win, you know, a draws, yeah. draw's no good to them at this stage, so it should be an entertaining game. I'd probably say it might end up, you know, definitely a red card, i will look at that. <laughs> yeah, look uh, so, that's if uh, Perth can put a side out with the suspensions. Um, be would agree probably a home win there uh Central Coast play host to sydney um always uh, a good battle these games tend to be either like nil nil or four, four, right, yeah. four, three or <laughs> four yeah yeah uh, let's hope it's the latter um Sydney going cup up there, normally take a lot of fans up there, which would make for a good spectacle, yeah, uh, mariners in hot form, you know probably. Probably the form side of the A League at the moment. Exactly,
2: yeah. I, I think there'll be a lot of goals scored in this game, I just don't think Sydney will score any of them.
1: Really? Yeah.
2: Okay. <laughs> I think the Mariners will uh, yeah be far too good.
1: Okay. Uh Sporting Bet have got it $1.93 to the Mariners, uh Sydney $3.75 and the draw three dollars forty. Um I mean I'd like to see Michaela get a start. I'd like to see mm. Michaela start, I'd like to see him with Carl behind him, like mm. prompting little balls yeah. through. You gotta say um, the
2: finals are gone, aren't and they really yeah. you know, realistically. So let's not you know, there's nothing wrong with blood in him or perhaps even a couple of the younger guys.
1: Yeah, but the Mariners have got everything to play for, you know. I mean is it I mean is it too late for the Mariners to to give up hope for actually winning the home and away season? I mean they've got a game in hand which I guess is this weekend because uh, Brisbane aren't playing. Mm. So this would put them within four points of the raw. With four games to go.
2: Maybe. I know Ange um, is a little concerned about the switch to Skilled Park yeah. as well for some of their games. Um, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's certainly possible the way the Mariners are going, but I I think the Mariners will carry on playing well, but I think that Brisbane have got too big a lead and too good a form themselves to be
1: caught. Yeah, but certainly Mariners have got everything to play for for that second spot for the, uh, for the chance to... Um, Post the grand final uh, yeah. if they can beat the raw. You'd assume it would be the raw over two legs. Um, so that's it for this week. Uh, Brisbane, as we said, get the bye. Um, one final thing: we were talking about the PFA earlier. Um, their annual dinner is coming up uh, soon on February the 14th, Valentine's Day. will be a few <laughs> controversial day to do it. There'll be a few wives and girlfriends not too chuffed about that. I'll tell you what we do: we're going to go and have a have dinner with. Yeah, a few hundred other footballers and their wives. Um, anyway, it's going to be at Crown Casinos Palladium Ballroom. Uh, they're dedicating the it's the Alex Tobin uh, Medal Night, um, and they're raising funds again for the uh, for the flood relief, which is excellent. Um, and you can go to it. they basically re- uh, details will be announced shortly. We've got the uh, the early heads up on that. Fans are welcome to attend the night. Uh, you can either buy a, a standalone ticket for $195, or take a table of ten for uh, $1,950 and support a great cause. And uh, being honoured on the night uh, will be um, Mark Viduka, who's the fourth recipient of the medal. Uh, he follows Johnny Warren, Joe Marston and Craig Johnston, uh, which is effectively the, the Uber Hall of Fame of Australian footballers. Mm. So, um, you know, and when you look at, I mean, let's just talk. I'm, they're included on the, the details they sent me is, is Mark Biduka's stats, his career stats. Mm. So let's just look at this, right? 93-95, Melbourne Knights, 48 appearances, 40 goals. 95-98, to 98, Croatia, Zagreb, 84 appearances, 40 goals. 98-2000, Celtic, 37 appearances, 30 goals. Uh, Leeds, 2000-2004, 130 appearances, 59 goals. 2004-2007, Middlesbrough, 72 appearances, 26 goals. Newcastle, 2007-2009, 38 appearances, 7 goals. Total, 409 appearances, 202 goals. It's the magic goal every other game. It's not bad for someone that, um, (coughs) you know, unfairly, I guess, mostly from his national team appearances where he played 43 Times and scored 11, um, albeit often playing up front on his own. You know, it's easy to forget the fact that he was a very, very prolific goal scorer at club level um, and certainly a a well deserving uh, winner of the Alex Tobin medal. So if uh, you're down in Melbourne, if you're a big Dukes fan, uh, then get along. The full details will be on the website soon as we we get the full details to let you know, but um, that's just an early heads up that it's coming. So uh, that's it for this week, Trev. Cheers. Thank you very much. Uh, by the time we talk next week, He's Socceroos finished. will could be in the Asian Cup final. When's the semi-final? Hmm. Big yeah. question. I well, think yeah. it is It'll be yeah. Saturday night. The semi. I think. The, yeah. So we could be talking next week with an uh, Asian Cup final to yeah. preview.
2: Or will we be mercilessly crazy. on the spot?
1: Him. Will we be talking previewing an Asian Cup final with the Socceroos in it next week, Trev? No. Okay. <laughs>
2: Just because of Japan, just because of Japan in the semi. I'm
1: going to say yes. I'm oh, going to be positive. God. I'm going to say yes. So we'll see you, you next week. You said we
2: win the World Cup as well.
1: Rubbish. We'll <laughs> no, see. No, no, the bid, the bid. Oh yeah, we'll see you next week to preview <laughs> the Asian Cup final. No matter who's in it, we'll be previewing it. But let's hope the soccer is in it. So uh, enjoy your football this weekend. Get out to the A League. Watch soccer at the weekend, and we'll be back next week to pick the bones out of it all. Thanks for joining us.
0: Four Four Two Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit Helms.com.au to find out more about at our services.